0: Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are here. But more than that, you're here. And often in my life, up to today, I'm drawn back more and more uh, into the supernatural presence of uh, peace. And power of you, and and I do highlight in the prayer supernatural, uh, because my desire is for for people uh, to feel that more. And you know, music and worship uh, definitely can can draw that out, that sense of feeling out. But to know that that you, Creator of of all that that is, and even even more that we don't know of, uh, are here in our, our midst. In our, in our presence, we want to honor you, we want to glory you, or at least some of us do, but, but I just pray people would know that more, because uh, we, can, we can so often fall into the trap and the habit uh, of just going through the routine and the humdrum when there is, is such a, uh, a, a big cosmic spectacle uh, of power uh, in you around us. I pray we'd know that. I pray that we would tap into it. Uh, I pray that we'd know that it, is, uh, it begins and never ends it, in knowing uh, what you've done for us in Jesus, in saving us. And so, so many of us, including me, are just spending days upon days, including Sundays, trying to save ourselves uh, with, with looking good and being good uh, and even religious activity. And I just pray uh, we would know what you have done for us uh, in your son and the power and presence available to us in your Holy Spirit uh, now and forevermore. That you are our salvation, that we don't save ourselves, that it's not a partial salvation from you and we do like the other part, it's it's fully by you. And that is supernatural because we can't save ourselves. Pray we know that more as we look into your word. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Thank y'all. Hey, have a seat. Thanks again for uh, being with us today. Uh, we are in Jonah, which is which is interesting. You know, it's, it's interesting that Jonah is more than a Sunday school story about the guy swallowed by the fish, and uh, it's even much more as I've been thinking, praying, studying, looking over it. So Jonah uh, two today. Uh, this is a, this is actually a brief series. You could draw it out even more, but because of Lent coming up, and I. Personally, I would like to do a Lent series, so it's four weeks in Jonah, taking a chapter. Today, we're actually starting Jonah 1, verse 17, so if you, uh, if you turn, and again, uh, Jonah, it's just a couple pages, and like I said last week, uh, it's between Obadiah and Micah, and I know that really helps a lot uh, for some of us, but, uh, but anyway, it's back in, in the, uh, towards the end of the Old Testament. Hey, before I read that, I just want to ask you, because this is, it ties to the message today, any of you ever hit bottom? And you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Anybody at the bottom right now? Not that you'd admit it. It's a rhetorical question. Uh, what do I mean when I say bottom? Probably not. Pro- probably someone at bottom would probably not be here today. I don't know that. You know that that's not true in all cases. But generally, you know, I've, I've done a lot of pastoral counseling, and Lord willing, will as I continue uh, the ministry God's called me to. Uh, but most people at bottom uh, have reached such a severe sense of depression uh, and possibly rejection of the Lord that, uh, that, that they check out. Uh, but, I don't know, some of you may be here today, and you may feel like, man, I'm, I'm sinking to the bottom. I'm hitting bottom. I'm bottoming out. And if so, man, thank God. Jesus, that you're here, okay? Not just because of this message, but because you got up on an overcast, dreary, kind of humid day and and came to be in the presence of the Lord and the presence of the community. So we can't like raise hands or anything here. Well, I mean, we can with some, or you can, but you know, we, we definitely, you know, don't like to be that vulnerable, at least in the South, in terms of our struggles or those that I've encountered don't. So If you are at bottom and you're here as a community, we want to thank uh, them and praise God. we want to say amen together. So amen? Amen. No, say amen like it's a real big deal, okay? Amen. Amen, Amen. thank you. It's much bigger than any uh, wins of SEC ball or, or otherwise. It's a big win. And I don't know about you, I like to win, right? You might like to win. I know you do with sports teams, right? So a victory is like when, when the Lord leads someone in the midst of tanking out and in depression to his house, okay, to hear from him. It's a big win, and I like to win. Okay, we'll get into that more, but let's read Jonah. How how does this apply? How does this, well, Jonah sank, and he's he's bottoming out in this chapter. Verse 17 in chapter 1. Uh, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas. And the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remember the Lord. And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Okay, stop right there. Uh, First off, yeah, this is the part of Jonah where a fish swallows him. And as I said last week, again, this week, that some folks would say, hey, it's kind of a metaphor. I don't know if I believe that literally. Some Christians would say that. And I would say this to you. uh, It's much more of a stretch, quite frankly, to believe that a man who was alive and and blood running and cells uh, alive and and active, uh, and they stopped and he died, and it was in the tomb, and then the blood started running again and the cells started running again, and, and he was fully alive again, which is basic, basic kind of Christianity here. You can't take the supernatural out of the Christianity. So if you believe in that, which is much more of a stretch Okay, much more of a stretch than to believe that there was a big fish and swallowed a guy and he lived three days, three nights. Okay, so I would just say I believe it literally. In fact, if you read through the Psalms, which I love doing and I'd encourage, uh, often it speaks of the deep and a, uh, this kind of, I've always thought it's kind of cool, a leviathan. Uh, a leviathan that's, uh, that's down there, huge, huge, massive fish. And so, you know, I think of something like that. Uh, that God, uh, that God chose to save Jonah. Okay, but in the midst of this, uh, Jonah, uh, Jonah was hitting bottom here in in chapter two, hitting bottom. Uh, I've heard, and you've probably heard many powerful Christian testimonies uh, in in this room right now, uh, and also in the life of this church, uh, of people who've uh, hit bottom. Uh, gone into uh, you know dark dark places, and they have realized that they were not alone. Uh, that God was was there, and that God would uh, would bring them up. God would ascend, help them ascend. So so here today, there's both. A, we're going to see both a, a descent and a descending and an ascending. But for Jonah to truly ascend, he first had to. Descend into, into the depths. And so for many Christians who face uh, death, and maybe they're facing death, or maybe a loved one died. Uh, depression, already mentioned that. Uh, financial uh, brokenness in some form or fashion. Illness, diagnosis, um, fracturing with kids. Uh, that's a big one you know, can 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 bring you down and down and down to the depths. And I would argue, and it's not even my opinion, because it's here in Jonah and throughout the Bible, I would argue as you sink into the depths, that's the place where you most see, I use that word most, most see the depths of God's grace uh, in your life, for your life, which is, is very contrary to what culture might say. You know, we would say, well, we see... On the heights, you know, when everything is like rocking and killing it, then we see God's grace. Well, yes, okay, but maybe more so when you're when you're at bottom. First, you're not alone, okay. And hopefully, we can be a community and a family that, when someone is there and they are, even now, that we can be there as the family of Jesus to point you to Savior Jesus. What I want for this church, but even you know, take us out of the equation. You're not alone. That God is there, and often God uses the depths of earthly existence. I mean, can come in many ways to show us the depths of His grace, and grace is a word we're going to break down because it's an often used word in like Christianese and Christian talk. And Christian songs, the most popular of all time, Amazing Grace. That I would argue many of us know, I, catch it, I would argue many of us know the words to the song Amazing Grace much more than we know the real deal, life changing grace of God. We know grace is like abstract and God's love, but that it's life changing? I don't know. Sometimes you need to be brought to the earthly depths to discover the life-changing grace of God. And that is actually what happens to Jonah here. So, a couple things happen as Jonah descends first. Again, to ascend, he first has to descend. For you to ascend, possibly, you may have to descend first. For me, possibly, to ascend in some degree, I may have to descend First, and that's painful and unpopular. A couple things happen. One, verse 17, uh, the Lord appointed a great fish. I like that word appointed. Uh, you could, you know, as a, uh, a synonym, I think that's the right word. You could, I guess you could say selected or orchestrated a great fish. What's interesting is if we go to chapter four, which we'll be in in two weeks. Uh, the Lord also appointed verse six in chapter four a plant. God appointed a plant. We'll see why that happens as well. But God appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah to save Jonah. God appoints. So sometimes God orchestrates uh, historical situation, things like in history, in our in our earthly existence, in our in our lives, to teach us what we need to know. Sometimes let me say this. I would, I would argue those are always part of his mercies. Mercies like part of his grace. Sometimes they can really feel severe. Okay? So I would push, and, and you know, I love, if you know me, you know I love Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. Those who love the Lord called according to his purpose. Uh, so, but often, uh, the Lord will orchestrate. The Lord will orchestrate to state. To state something, to make a statement uh, that we need to know, something we need to, to be taught. And that can happen through, through things that are tough, through uh, even uh, going down, descending in some form or fashion. Jonah sank. He sank here. God appointed and he sank to, you know, I think it's, you know, he's quite the poet uh, in, in the belly of the fish here, but uh, he said, I sank to the foundations of the mountains. I always, you know, I'm a Tolkien, Lord of the Rings fan, and I think of uh, I think of Gandalf, and not that some of you know it, and, you know, if you don't, I recommend it. If you don't want to, let me geek out here for a minute. And uh, but Gandalf sank, like, literally to the foundations of the mountain, uh, battling uh, some type of demonic, you know, Tolkien was a Christian and, and all that, but to the foundations of the mountain, sinking into... The depths, the depths, the depths of the earth here. He sank. When we uh, run from God, you know, this whole series over the month is God's call, our response. And often our response is to run, to run from God. Often our response may be to reject God. No, I don't like that call. Because God's call is always, in some form or fashion, uh, sacrificial. Maybe, well, you could argue, in all form and fashion, sacrificial. We may reject it. We may run from it. We may disobey. Whenever we do that, we're going to sink. Okay? It may not seem like it at first, may not feel like it, but, but there's going to be some, some sinking that goes on. And, and normally, to, to rise us up, there needs to be a radical treatment. And, and you know, thank, thank the Lord that he's like this, this wise surgeon, and he knows exactly where to treat us so that we can, can ascend, or begin to ascend. But when we run... And we reject, when we disobey, we, we'll, we'll sink. We'll sink from his presence. Uh, we'll sink from what he has for us. Not saying you're going to bottom out. You might, but you'll sink. And then it's interesting that this whole, really, chapters one and two, if you're following me, okay, like biblically, it's all about Jonah going down. He's going down, down, down. And the writer uses those words. Jonah went down to... Uh, Jopa last week. He went down to the ship. He went down to the depths of the ship. Remember last week to to check out, to uh to take his Xanax and a couple of the ships' wine and pass out. And go to it doesn't say that, okay? You're like, where does it say that? No, it's a metaphor. Okay? Just seeing if you're awake. Because Xanax and wine will wake you up. No well, I mean it won't, but you know, but it will when the preacher mentions it. So he's crashing out. And then he's literally, he's down to the depths of the earth. He's down, 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 down. So often I think, you know, what's God saying? I mean, God is, you know, my goal in all this is to see more and pull more, mind these these depths of God's word and see what God's saying to us. God's taken Jonah down, and sometimes God may take us down for this great uh, ascent. In his eyes, maybe not even in our eyes, that would happen. I want to use a quote, use an example, um, sticking with, with fantasy a little bit. I haven't read all these. Uh, you know, some of my kids, well, one of my kids loves it. And I know some of you uh, older kids love it. Uh, J.K. Rowling, who knows who that is? Just raise your hand if you know, like, who that is, okay? few, few, few. Uh, she wrote the Harry Potter books, okay? Harry Potter books. Well, she also gave, you probably didn't know this. Uh, I didn't. Until a while back, uh, she gave a speech, a commencement speech, uh, at Harvard. And she talked about her her great failures uh, before uh, embarking on writing the, I think it's a seven-book series. So this is a direct quote in her speech, Harvard commencement. She said, I failed on an epic scale. An exceptionally short-lived marriage imploded. I was jobless, I was a single parent, and I was as poor as it is possible to be without being homeless. But I get, began to direct all my energy into finishing the only work that mattered to me. Had I really succeeded at anything else, I might never have found the determination to succeed in the one, in the one thing, writing, in which I believed uh, I truly belonged. Look, I don't know if J.K. Rowling is a Christian. Uh, I know some Christians hate her books. I know other Christians uh, that I follow, again, uh, really like them. But my point is that sometimes, and that, if she's not a Christian, it could be God's common grace. We talked about that last week. And sometimes you've got to hit bottom and be stripped of all self-sufficiency, of all resources uh, to look to God. Uh, to give a plug, we were in men's group uh, this morning, this week on Tuesday. There's a men's group that meets back here six thirty Tuesday morning, and, and you've already heard him, uh, Elder Dobby Bowden. Uh, he shared this, but it's uh, it's an all used quote. Uh, you never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have, and I think that's very, very true. We don't know who coined that, but it's a, you don't know that Jesus is all you need until. Jesus is all you have. Say it again. You never realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. What does that mean? What if you don't have your resources? If you don't have your self-sufficiency. What if all you have is Jesus? Man, I mean, we'll preach that gospel and we'll say it here, but to live that out, we definitely need our accounts, uh, our relationships, um, our schedules even. To you know look busy and active and, and engaged, sometimes God will bring us there to show us that he's all he 's all we need he 's all we need you know there's there 's a great verse and it 's often used too, matthew ten thirty eight see the thirty eight or thirty nine forget off the tell head. but you know you know, you must lose your life in order to save it Jesus says, lose your life in order to save it The interesting thing in this context in this In this sermon even, often we'll think, yeah, I choose to lose my life and give it all up to save my life. That's always the way I thought of it. But rethinking here, maybe the losing of your life is not a choice. Like maybe it happens to you and you don't want it. And then you're saved. you ever thought of it like that? Because it could be, because that's what's going on here. Jonah's losing his life and resources, and God's going to use that to save his life. It's a severe mercy. For Jonah, again, to ascend, he's got to descend. So now he's at bottom. What happens first? Well, he's alone with God. And, and I think that's something we shouldn't miss, and I think it's something God wanted and something often that we don't want. I mean, we want, our, we want our mentor there or our coach there or our spouse there or our kid there. We don't like to just be alone with God. And so he, there's no one else that can get to him, obviously, He's alone with God, so he prays. I mean, this is what, what is written here, is a prayer. And it takes him a while to get to it, but he does end up uh, with coming to terms, acknowledging God's steadfast love or grace. Where is that? Verse 9, the end of verse 9, it's, it's, argu- it's arguably, honestly, arguably all the Bible could, could point to the last part of this verse. Mine reads, salvation belongs to God. The Lord. Okay, that word salvation in Hebrew, and the Bible, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, is chesed, which means grace, steadfast love, belongs to the Lord, the chesed love, the covenant love of God. So the salvation of the Lord, Jonah reaches, uh, it's not his doing, Uh, he can't do it, Uh, he can't do it halfway, it all belongs to the Lord, his grace. So now, In our remaining time, let's say 10 minutes maybe, if that. This term grace is something we say we know so well, but I just don't, and I say this from experience, I don't think we really know God's grace. We sing amazing grace, we will sing amazing grace, but often for Christians, or at least they say they're Christian, it's not wondrous, uh, it's not supernatural, it's not... Uh, beautiful, oh, it's not powerful, grace, grace. And so there's a book called Knowing God written by a guy named J.I. Packer. I highly recommend it, J.I. Packer, Knowing God. Um, I'm not gonna quote it, but he does, he, he makes that point in the book that for us, for many of us, uh, we know about grace in the abstract, to use that word, but that it's life-changing, that it causes us to... Uh, to be a community of different people, to reach out to, to others, as we talk about uh, John ten sixteen, To see a big God, to go to the world, to sacrifice, to be life-changing, to change us. I would believe him in and, and seeing, you know, many in the multitudes that it's not life-changing. So he would say there are three, three truths, and I think this is truths of the gospel. When I say gospel, I mean like basic Christianity. Three truths you have to know to really get to be moved, to be brought to tears even, maybe in your heart, by the grace of God, to begin to ascend. And sometimes the descent leads us to these truths. Uh, The first would be, uh, and and these are his words, uh, a moral ill desert. But I'd shorten that to say, the first one is to think of yourself like a desert. Uh, Some of you have been to a desert. Uh, Nothing... But I'm talking about like a real, like the Sahara Desert. Like nothing grows there. It's just some form of dirt, which is saying, Nothing grows. So we don't really think of our life as a desert. And Jesus would say, you know, we're, we're like to be a garden, have something grow. Well, how does that happen? How does that happen? God has to do something. Either God has to bring rain or God has to break us up, till us up. Because we're all tough soil, the desert. This is a hard message for our culture. Uh, Many have said we live in the age of the triumph of the therapeutic. What's the therapeutic? Therapy. Nobody ever says they go to therapy, but it's basically saying, hey, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do it. Or you can choose. You can even choose right and wrong. And some of the hot button social issues that are coming. You can just choose your own notion of right and wrong. This would say, no, we're guilty sinners. This being the gospel. The gospel. We're guilty sinners. We're even hard message here. We're deserving of death and hell. Separated from God. Guilty sinners. Okay? Uh, Jonah says, verse 3 look at this. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas. He didn't even say I threw myself in, oh, because of bad choices, you know. You know, choices bring consequences. I say that, you know, because he says, You threw me. He's rejecting that, and he's saying, He's saying, I'm guilty. I'm, de- I'm deserving where I'm at. It's very, very rare that you would ever, ever hear anyone saying that. And that's the gospel. That's, that's basic Christianity there, okay? Not deviating from it. Another second truth, to use another word. So if you're a desert, nothing grows, then God has to bring either rain or break you up in some way that something will grow. Like hard soil. It either has to rain, and in Mississippi it does a lot, sometimes not, or till it up. Be farmers. The second one would be to use a, uh, use J.I. Packer's words, spiritual impotence. Spiritual impotence. We're not just guilty sinners. We, We can do nothing to repair the damage. Okay? We can't build the bridge to God. We can't We can't ascend on our own. This is another hard message, and it's also part of the gospel, and it's also a truth. If we want to see truly amazing grace in our life, in your life, you got to grasp. you got to see. You can't repair the damage. We can't fix ourselves. Unpopular because you would say, maybe to others, or you might want me to say, you can fix it. You can fix yourself. You know how you can fix it? This is not a five-step plan. You can fix it by, hey, doing good, being good, doing some morality. Oh, and some good, like, religious activity will help, too. I mentioned the mission trip. You should go. That might fix it in your mind. Be part of a group. That might fix it. Daily Bible reading. Oh, yeah. Religious activity. Doesn't save you. None of that saves you. None of that, none of that will, um, will be the saving amazing grace. And the only way to see saving amazing grace is. is we're not just guilty sinner. We can't repair can't repair it. We can't do it on our own. Let me give you an example real quick. There was a gentleman, I'm not obviously not to say his name. He's past. God love him. But he did. He's one of these people that as as much as you could do in a church, he did. Okay? And I'm not gonna say where I met him either. As much as you could do. You know, I think, you know, he was, uh, he was definitely elder status. I don't know if this church had, like, elders. But he was elder status. And towards the end of his life, because he was old, and I'm not going to say how old, he asked me, yeah, get this, how do I really know I'm saved? See, so much religious activity. So much showing up whenever the doors open. So many leadership positions in his church. So much missing service. And at the point where he's getting ready because he knows he's gonna meet God. How do I really know I'm saved? That is what, when you think you can, hey, I can do it and I can get it and I can fix it and all this. And I think this gentleman is with the Lord, okay? If you don't know the amazing <laughs> grace, you're gonna end up like that, okay? So how do you know it? Uh you got to know the cost. If you're a desert, spiritual impotence, the cost, the cost of the grace. And, and here's what I mean. Jonah, he, he, says, he says this, you, 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 know, you probably may not have called it, but verse 4 and verse 7, I will look to your holy temple. Jonah, Old Testament times, Jonah was believed in God. The holy temple, so he would have known, he would have remembered as Hebrew, looking to the holy temple as the place where priests would go in okay, and make an atonement. So there would be, this is Exodus 25, if you're interested, or Leviticus 16. If you want to go further, I'm not going to quote them, use them. Go in, there'd be the Ark of the Covenant. There'd be a gold slap on it. Some of you know this more than scripture. It's okay, so was I. You know, it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of the best movies ever. So there's a gold slap on the Ark. I know, you're tracking with me there. And... So we can't get to God, and what the priest would do, he'd sacrifice an animal, sprinkle the blood of the animal onto the gold, and it would be the death of another that would secure the forgiveness and allow us to be able to come to God, to the Lord. So he's knowing this. I will go to your holy temple, and even though Jonah was pre the cross, now we know something Much more. The cost of the salvation God secures. What's the cost? I want to just read to you. Uh, Hebrews 10. You don't have to go to it. Hebrews 10. Verse 4 through 10. It ties directly to what I'm saying here. The writer of Hebrews says, For it is impossible for the blood, just talked about blood sprinkled, I know it doesn't, I don't like blood either. But anyway, bear with me. For it is impo- the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, as he was coming into the world, he said, he being Jesus, you did not desire sacrifice and offering, but prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, see, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. After he says above, you did not desire or delight in sacrifice and offering." offerings, whole burnt offerings, and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law, he then says, see, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. So if the gospel of Jesus, we're guilty, we're deserving of death and hell, it's a hard message here hard for me to even preach. We're guilty. We're deserving of death now. We cannot repair it. We can't fix it. And yet Jesus Christ has so that we can know uh, amazing grace to live uh, in him and for him. And the cost is he's got the scars to prove it. If you are a Christian and you meet Jesus and he extends his hand, there will be a scar there of the nail. There will be a wound, in it, a scar in From the wound in his chest. For eternity. The scars are still there. There's a cost to that. For you. For you. When you really. When that really begins to penetrate into your hearts. uh, You will ascend. You will ascend I think in ways that (laughs) you've never known. You'll ascend one day eternally and live and shout and fly we know that that the cost the cost is real the scars are there for everybody here last thing so jonah gets to that point and then that point is salvation belongs to the lord verse nine again arguably arguably he so said the whole bible you know Come down into that verse. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And we think of it as like, well, it's partially the Lord and partially us. Or, you know, doing all that. And you're like, no, I don't really think that. Yes, you do. you know what? I've thought that. I've thought that. And it's easy to think. Like, yeah, I can kind of save myself. So there's some that have a really high view of themselves. And like, this is great, the amazing grace, but I really don't need this. I really need to keep tracking and look good in church or at school or at work. And this, if we sing Amazing Grace, it doesn't melt their heart. There are others who are like, yeah, I know God's love, and it's abstract, and, and all, but it wondrous, beautiful, all-encompassing, powerful, supernatural. Okay, those are words, but to, to have that, like, be living in your life. I've met people like that. They do, they look, they act, they feel, they live different. That's what I want for me, for you, for everyone and then the last thing is, you know, Jonah is not perfect. And he reaches this point. But you know what's interesting? Verse 8, he says, those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. He's thinking about all those heathens with all their idols, and they worship statues. And he's thinking about the, the Ninevites. Got that word right last week. It was Ninevins or Ninevites, and they're all worshiping their heathens, and they're, they're doing all that, and God's gonna lead him up to go there, but we'll see once we hit chapter four, he's so angry and he knows salvation's belonging, he's still so angry and bitter at these people that he's saved, but God's very patient with him. So my point is, is that salvation, while it happens in a moment, the sanctification, the growth, happens over a lifetime. And that's what many of you are in. And many of us have bitter feelings and we can't forgive our enemies. And we're like, I don't really going to go to church today. Or, you know, this is definitely you know, we won't say it down here, but it's not necessarily the important thing in my life, but praise Jesus. The grace of God is so patient with us. That even if we look at, you know, I'm I'm a little better than them, and like Jonah, I'm a Hebrew and all those heathens worshiping their idols of uh, even for me, sports teams or screens or And God's patient with me and he's patient with you. And that's part of his grace. Do you know the depths of God's grace? I hope that God does not have to lead you into the depths of an earthly existence so that you will know the depths of God's grace. To even prevent that, I'd love for you to think about and consider as we come and we take communion because only the blood of Jesus saves and we sing his amazing grace. That, standing before God... uh, we're guilty. We can't fix it. We can't repair it. And the grace of God has come to us in Jesus, and He has scars to prove it. And they're personal scars, and they're for you. And if that doesn't melt your heart, I don't know what to say, frankly. Um, you know, I'm kind of without words in that. If it doesn't melt your heart. If you're like, well, you know, I'm ready for lunch, it's kind of drink, you know, if it doesn't, you know, I'm thinking about maybe a movie, I don't know. some form of entertainment. But the supernatural destinies of heaven and hell lay in the balance for individuals, for churches, for cities. He said, Go to Nineveh, it's a city, it's going to hell, tanking, one person. Many people say that about the city of Jackson. That wake you up? I've heard it said it can't be helped. That's a direct quote people have said to me. Thank God, there's something supernatural and powerful and all encompassing that could reach people in Nineveh and Babylon and New York and Jackson and Bellwether Church. That doesn't move you. I don't. Even, it's not about me or response, but the Lord. I don't know what to say. What I know what to say is I pray that you meet Jesus at the Lord's table in communion and respond. He's got the scars oh, to prove the cost of his salvation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we get so enamored of the things of this earth. We miss out on your things of this earth being thoughts of other people and thoughts of what we're gonna do with our life even. And that good things becoming ultimate things. And I pray... We'd know the cost of your grace and that 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 mercy, sometimes a a severe mercy, moves us to saying, Lord, my life is is yours and we'll make the sacrifice. And that doesn't always mean being a pastor or a missionary. Maybe it's an artist, a musician, a physician, a lawyer, a city planner, committed to a city. We need people committed to the city. We need people committed to the world to reach Uh, the loss. And I pray that that would happen not out of duty, not out of like this will make me look good, but out of the scars in your hands and what you've done for us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.